Get started. Glad to see each of you here tonight. Appreciate you being here. And uh, want to open up our Bibles and begin our study tonight. Let's, uh, let's go to God in, in prayer. Heavenly Father, we, we trust you, we love you, and we thank you. We're thankful to know that we can depend on you, to know that you're always there. We ask that you'll bless us in our study tonight that you'll grant to us wisdom and knowledge and understanding and help us to grow in our faith and our walk of love for others and bless us to be the people you would have us to be. In Jesus' holy and precious name we pray and thank thee for be that will. Amen. Tonight I was kind of, we're going to Joshua chapter 1 and, um, and I was going to start out with this question of how in the world can we do it without God, right? And um, I thought that was a pretty powerful question because, you know, I wonder that sometimes. How in the world do we do it without God? And it's, I think the answer is simple. Um, we, we go through life without, those who go through life without God are, are limping and they're weak and they're, and, they're, and they're sick and they're struggling in a way that, that is different uh, and unique. It's a worldly type of suffering and they're used to it. Unfortunately, it becomes their comfort zone and um, but once you get a taste of God, it, it changes the perspectives of life and it makes a huge difference, right? And so I'm looking at Joshua tonight because Joshua, I want him to bring us to, to our, our walk today with Jesus that we're looking at adversity tonight and uh, how do you deal with uh, adversity, right? Struggles in our lives and keep or maintain a positive mental attitude, thinking about God and focused only on God. So look at Joshua 1 and verse 5. No man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you. I will not fail or forsake you. God made that same promise to us, and we'll look at it in Hebrews 13. So we'll grab it in the New Testament in just a moment. But I want us to think about Joshua and the promise that God made to him. When God says that no one will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Joshua saw a lot of wars because he walked with Moses, traveled with Moses, going into the promised land. And, uh, and they fought lots of battles and, and they were very victorious. And, and uh, God definitely did what he promised that he would do. But I want you to remember just thinking about what Joshua knew. So I want to go to Numbers for just a moment, uh, and I, I want to look at um, chapter 13, just to remind us of what Joshua knew, and then think about the promise. The promise sounds wonderful, <clears throat> excuse me, it sounds just great when you think about the promise standing alone, right? All by itself, I'll be with you wherever you go, don't worry about it, everything's fine. Joshua, you're my child, we win. But what did Joshua know? And I want us to think about that in our own lives, and then we'll talk about it. Verse 25 of Numbers chapter 13. And when they returned from spying out the land at the end of 40 days, they proceeded to come to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the sons of Israel in the wilderness of Paran and Kadesh. And they brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And thus they told him and said, We went into the land where you sent us. And it certainly does flow with milk and honey. And this is its fruit. 
Nevertheless, the people who live in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. And moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. What did he see? What did he know? He saw these huge cities with these huge walls. And, and in verse 20, uh, 27 and 28, the people are strong. So Joshua knows this. The, the lands and the cities are fortified and, um, and, and very large. And the descendants of Anak, the really big people are there. So, so what do we know? we know? We know two things. One is... God made a promise to Joshua. Now, obviously this promise came later, right? But God made a promise to Joshua, I'll be with you. But what does Joshua have to do? Even though you have faith, and even though he says, okay, God, you're going to give it into my hands, but what do you have to do, Joshua? You got to show up for the fight, right? I mean, I can, I can say, hey, I'll be there all day long, and, and I, I believe this, but am I going to show up on, on D-Day? You know, um, the cities are fortified. That means the, the walls are, are huge, right? Uh, some of those old walls are like 300 feet uh, uh, wide and, I mean, excuse me, tall and very, very wide, wide enough to where you could, you could run chariots across the top of them. So there has to be some kind of plan. There has to be organization. I mean, there's a lot to this. This isn't just run up to the walls because God's with you and then the walls are going to fall down like Jericho. We're not at Jericho yet, right? This is, you're going against some very strong people some very big people uh, against uh, some very big people and very strong people sitting in very big cities. And these big cities have fortified walls. And don't worry, though, I'm with you. And all I think about is, you know, okay, so we show up for the battle and we're outside and we're in range. And, and what, can they, what could they do if they chose to? They could shoot arrows at us, right? And they could, you know, whatever's on the catapults or whatever, you know, type of defenses they have. But God says, I'm with you. Does that mean every, every arrow is going to miss us? Right? Does that mean that when the catapult goes off, that every soldier in God's army, they're going to win and no one's going to get hurt or injured or die? Or He didn't say that, did he? Okay, now watch the next part. Amalek, verse 28, 29 rather. Amalek is living in the land of the Negev, of the Hittites. And the Jebusites and the Amorites are living in the hill country. And the Canaanites are living by the sea and by the side of the Jordan. So, so these, aren't, these aren't normal people, <laughs> right? These are ruthless people, right? I mean, everybody knows about the Canaanites. Canaanites are a tough, tough group of people. And Amalek, the Amalekites, right? Strong people, uh, courageous people who fought battles against Moses uh, in the past. Uh, the Hittites are there, and the Jebusites are there, and, you know, the Amorites, and all these these ites, this the ite family, right? All these really strong people are there and they're living uh, by the sea, if you will, on the other side of the Jordan. And then Caleb, in verse 30, quieted the people before Moses and said, we should by all means go up and take possession of it or we shall surely overcome it. But the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people for they are, all right, so now we know something else. They're not just strong. They're too strong for us, right? Now, by ourselves, we can't win. That's, that's the reality. The reality is, is that without God, if God doesn't make this promise, although God makes the promise, if you don't really trust the promise and you're only looking to yourself to become victorious through life, you can't win, right? 
There's no way they can win this battle by themselves. They have to go with God, right? So what, what kind of faith do they have to have? Do they have to believe God's going to be with them? Is God really with them? Right? I mean, yes, right? But do we see God? Let's think about us now. Do we see God? How do you know God's with you? Right? Okay, we, in, in our heart, we just, we believe by faith, right? Uh, well, how else do we know God's with us? How else did they know God was with them? God said he would be with them. God says he'll be with us. But how do they know God was with them? They're not, they're not in battle yet. How do we know God's with us? We're, we're fighting a battle against Satan every day, and we know Satan is too strong for us. Sometimes our struggles are too, too big for us. How do we know God's with us? Based on what? Based on faith, right? And what is faith based on? Evidence. Well, the Lord and evidence, right? So what kind of evidence do you have? Anybody got any evidence? Anyone ever gone by faith so far? How long have we lived on the earth, right? We lived on the earth X number of years. Does anyone have any evidence where you prayed to God and you asked for help and God did it? Anyone? Can anyone say they did that? That ever happened? Right? Yeah, right. We all should be going, yeah, of course. Yeah, all right. And then, and now we have faith on top of what? Faith on top of faith on top of faith, which is evidence on top of more evidence on top of more evidence on top of more evidence. And it just... Over a lifetime, there's a lot of evidence, right? And so that faith is a faith of victory, a victorious faith because God has done it over and over and over and over and over again in your lives. Unless you don't believe God's ever heard your prayer. And I know that's not us, right? We know God hears our prayers while we pray to him because we know when we pray, God is going to help us. Has God helped us? <laughs> over and over. So faith right, is the evidence of things hopeful. It is, it is based on this, this conviction of what you know God did because you know you couldn't do it by yourself. And you ask God to do it. And he did it not only the way you hoped he would, but in even a better way. And then when those things didn't work out the way you thought they would, and then later on they worked out even better, but it looked like it was really not going the way you wanted it to go. And you go, you know what? Wow, this was the right way, and that way it wouldn't have worked. God's God's amazing in his, his victories in our lives. So now, did Joshua have any faith? Yeah, right? I mean, remember, they fought Og, and they fought, they already fought giants before. Og, remember who Og is? The guy with uh, six fingers on each hand, six, hand and six toes. And the bedstead was like, I don't know, like 10 feet. I mean, the guy was huge. And they beat them in Bashan. They already won against these giants. And so here they are now going up and looking, spying out the Nephilim, and uh, the people are saying, this is way back when, that the people are too strong. Verse 32. So they gave out to the sons of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone and spying out is a land that devours its inhabitants, and the people whom we saw in it are men of great size. There also we saw the Nephilim, uh, the sons of Anak, a part of the Nephilim. And we became like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. So, Back to Joshua chapter 1. So Joshua can remember not only spying out this land and the bad report and all the things that happened and how, how um, uh, you know, God you know, punished them for it, but, but how they had no faith in God whatsoever. And, and then God all of a sudden now comes and says, okay, now, Joshua, Moses is dead. You're the man. We have a lot more land to conquer, and I need you to lead the people to go do it. And then God says in Joshua 1, in verse 5, he says, No man will be able to stand against or before you all the days of your life, just as I have been with Moses, 
I will be with you. I will not fail you or forsake you. So how does that message, in your opinion, and thinking about maybe if God sent a similar message to us, how does that resonate maybe in Joshua's mind? How does that resonate in your own mind? Think about that. God says, Anyone, no one can stand against you. Um, how, do you how do you feel about a, a statement like that? Anyone? That just, that seems too simple though, doesn't it? God speaks and he says nobody, so it means nobody. <laughs> but that's exactly what it means, right? Is there another time God spoke? Yeah, let's see. God holds the world together by the word of his power. <laughs> when God speaks, something's going to happen, right? We can believe that, yes. Mm-hmm. Right. Thank you. Even if they kill us, we win. Because we're talking about a spiritual battle, right? Not physical battle. Christians, we're not out in a physical battle. We're, we're victorious in the spiritual battle because that's what it's all about. We're just passing through, right? And so it's inevitable we're going to die. doesn't tell us how we're going to die. But it's inevitable that we're going to die. And even if they take our physical lives, uh, we still win. It doesn't really matter because it was a spiritual battle from the beginning, right? And so... Um, God reassures Joshua because, because in their day, it's not just a spiritual battle because now this victory is because God is with us, right? Follow the commandments. See, they learned that with AI, that, you know, if you don't do what God tells you to do, spiritually speaking, then the physical stuff isn't going to work out, right? Because when they went to AI and, and uh, um, some of the uh, precious uh, items were stolen uh, and they lost the battle, the second battle, they had to fight because of the fact that they didn't listen to God at Jericho, right? Okay, so God reminds him, and God says something else to him in verse 6. He says, be strong and courageous, for you shall give this people possessions of the land which I swore to your fathers to give them. So does, he said it for the, uh, this here, to be strong. Is God telling Moses, oh, excuse me, uh, Joshua to go do a lot of push-ups and go lift some weights, be really strong? No, right? Spiritually, have faith. Believe me. Trust, trust what I'm saying. Be strong in your mind. And when you show up on the battle line, and you can imagine what this looks like, right? Whether you have all these soldiers and, and you're going up against another army, a mighty army. But the, the difference is this army, these people are huge. And like, like they said, we're like grasshoppers in their sight. Like these are really, these are giants, right? And so God says, don't worry about the giants. You go to the battlefield and be strong. Where? Up here, right? So, so somehow, you know, we have to take this or, or find this ability to find the mental strength, right, which is our spiritual strength as well, the mental strength to obey the, the law of God, right? So Joshua would have to, in turn, look at these people knowing that, like the first time they went up 
and spot out the land in Numbers, knowing that some of the people behind him might not have that much faith, right? Some of the folks behind him might go, I don't know if we can do this, right? That's a normal thing. When you have a group of people going to war or going into battle, not everyone has the same measure of faith. There might be some saying, maybe we ought to tuck tail and, or maybe there's another way, right? And there isn't, there wasn't another way. And so he says, you, you're the leader. You be strong and be very courageous. It takes courage, doesn't it? Does it take courage today in our walk of faith? It does, doesn't it? It takes courage. It takes strength. It takes courage to, to we're, we're going against the grain of the world, right? We're, we're moving contrary to, to the belief system of the world, and we have to be strong and courageous wherever we go, right? It, you know, not to speak the way others speak, not to act the way others act, not to react the way others react, not to respond the way others respond. We have to, we're going, we're going against the grain of society, and so we have to be very strong and very courageous, right? And, and, and hopefully, prayerfully, that over time it becomes uh, uh, natural for us, but very strong and very courageous. You're in the midst of a bunch of people that are, that are speaking ungodly. Um, what do we do with that? We know them. They're our friends. What do we do with that? You know, we either walk away, we say something, we, you know, we got to stand up. We have to, we have to stand up and say, hey, you know, maybe we ought, maybe we ought not talk that way. Maybe we ought to honor, honor God. Or we have to say something instead of, instead of laughing with them and going, yeah, that was pretty good. No, it wasn't pretty good. It was wrong. If it was something that was wrong. Or if we're in a position where we have to stand uh, up for God, uh, we, we have to be very strong and very courageous, right? So, so here Joshua is leading an army of, of men, uh, and, and God is telling him, I need you to trust me, right? No man will be able to stand against you. doesn't matter how big those guys, well, what's going to happen? They didn't fall over. These men came to fight, right? They fought. They came strong and powerful and mighty, but we, we don't have a, a, a picture image of what happened during the battle, but you ever thought about, like, what, what did that battle look like? You know, when they go off and they begin to fight against the, uh, the, the, the Anakim and, and the Jebusites and the Ammonites and the Amorites and the, and, the, and the Hittites and all the nations, what did it look like in that battle? You know, if you, you, we've watched, uh, maybe you have, maybe you haven't, um, some of the old, old movies of, you know, the soldiers fighting hand-to-hand combat. This is hand-to-hand combat. This isn't shooting mortars and having airplanes, you know, drop bombs. This is, this is me taking my shield and going up against this, however large this guy is, this big, strong warrior, and then trying to, uh, you know, block his sword and then stick my sword in his... I mean, this is real stuff, right? And God says, be very strong, be very courageous. But Lord, how's it going to work? How, how am I going to wield my shield and my sword? How am I, what, what's the right... Their toes, what do, I, what do I do, right? And so this is an amazing uh, battle. And I think it's important and imperative that we see the imagery that God is painting for us of this battle of hand-to-hand combat, soldier against soldier, might against might, strength against strength. And the only difference is that God's people will have the mental tenacity and the fortitude because they have this faith in the unseen God. 
that there's no way they can lose. Who'd be the first one? Right? Would you be the first one? You know, you're in the front line. like, oh, I don't want to be in the front line. Can I be in the back? <laughs> Where would you be in this battle? Right? And that's a good question to ask just to think about our walk of faith. Would you, would you, would you mind being the front, the front leader? Now, Joshua, we know, had to be in the front. Who would go with Joshua? Who's going to be up front, right? Um, listen to what he said again. Verse 7. It must be pretty serious, guys. You know, I mean, we look at this passage for strength, and it's a beautiful passage. But look at how many times God had to say this. <laughs> okay, I already told him to be strong and courageous. He already told him to be uh, strong and courageous. And now, in verse 7, he tells him again, only be strong and very, look at verse 6. Be strong in what? Verse 7. Be strong and be what? Very courageous. <laughs> I mean, is, it, is there not this escalation of, this is what you're, you're going to have to have. You need some serious courage. This is a really serious battle. This is a pretty scary situation for humans. Right? Human against human. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. There's two sides to this battle. There's the physical and there's the spiritual. You can't just do whatever you want. You got to keep the law too, right? Follow God's law. That's really important. And by the way, there are rules of engagement in the Old Testament uh, about war, right? Which there, there are some of those um, as well. So here's, here's God saying, look, it's not just like you said, sister, it's not just about you being strong and courageous. You also at the same time have to have that spiritual relationship with God. You also have to keep the whole law. So, so what's in front of me? God's law, God, has to be in the front. And then everything else is in the back, in the rear, right? So God's in, but where's God? In the front and the rear, right? God's bringing up the rear as well as God is leading in the front. And so uh, thank you for bringing that out. And we'll get there again when we look at, um, at verse, verse 9. Be strong, verse 7, and very courageous, be careful to do according to all the law which Moses, um, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, so that you may have success in whatever you go. Now, now I'm going to come back to your question on your comment. Okay, so now I'm, I'm in a physical battle, and I'm going to war. What in the world does the law have to do with me going to battle hand-to-hand combat with this guy in front of me? Where's the relationship? Where's the relationship between the law of God, here's the law of Moses that Moses gave, and then here's, here's hand-to-hand combat against this, this huge statue in front of me, this man. What, where's the, what's the connection between the two? The law of Moses and the physical law, or the physical battle, excuse me. What's the connection? The connection is you can't do it without God. That's the connection. It's a spiritual battle just as much as it is a physical battle. Because in order to have the spiritual lead or the spiritual strength, God, you have to be right with God. Does that make sense? Right? If you're not right with God and you walked away from God, so let's think about this as Christians. If I've walked away from God, do I still have God in my corner backing me up? And No, I've walked away from God. So you have to be with God when you're fighting a physical battle. Right? 
We have to be with God. You have to be with God. You can't do it on your own. If we walk away from God, we, we find ourselves in trouble. So the connection is that it's a holistic view or vantage point of this particular battle. It's mind, body, soul. It's, it's, it's a holistic view. It's, it's the physical and the spiritual joined together, and that's where we get our might. Because although God is the unseen God, although God is a spirit, we're in the physical, in the flesh, yet God is always with us, right? Now, we get a glimpse and a better understanding in the New Testament when he says, you know, I'll be in you, right? I'll be with you and, and in you. I'll, remember Philippians 2? I'm, I'm in you to carry out my will, right? He's so, so who's, fight, who's giving me the, who's doing it, me or God? God, right? So there's the surrender, right? I have the trust in not my own might. Remember Gideon? He says, go in this your own might. Like, oh, I'm not going to go in this one, <laughs> right? With my might, Lord, I don't have any might. And Gideon asked some questions of God. God doesn't tell Joshua to go in his own might. God tells Joshua, I'll be with you, right? I'm going with you. No man will be able to stand against you because I'm with you. Don't leave me, right? Don't leave me behind. Don't go in front of me. Stay with me because I'm with you, right? Um, look at the next verse, verse, uh, verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. It's interesting that uh, verse 7, 8, and 9 are about the spiritual stuff, and then verses 5, 6, and part of 7 are about the physical stuff. Right? I mean, it's both physical and mental, right? Be very strong, be courageous, trust, get ready to go fight. It's always spiritual, like the law of Moses. The law of Moses, uh, the Ten Commandments are both spiritual and physical, right? It's your relationship with God. You know, have no other gods before me. Keep God first. Those first five commandments and the last ones are about relationships with each other. And here we have the exact same idea, if you will, that here you're going into battle against other people, but I need you to remember, you've got to stay right with me to be victorious. Does that have any relationship to us? So we grab this, and we could, we could spend a lot more time on this, but I, wanna, I want to jump over to Hebrews chapter 13 as I'm asking this question, and I want us to look at verses 5 and verse 6, because this is not the first time God says this. Right? And by the way, 6 through 9, he goes on to talk more about the law, and he says, I'll be with you. Verse 5, let your character be free from the love of money, being content with what you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you or will ever forsake you, so that you may confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What shall man do to me? Back to, back to this battle, this physical battle, but also a spiritual battle. Is there a relationship, what do you think, between Joshua's battle and the battle going and take the Canaan, the promised land, in a relationship between us battling against our souls or against Satan and even man in our relationship with God. Is there a connection? There is, isn't it? So what, is, what does God do? Remember, in the Old Testament, um, the, it's very spiritual, but, it, it's, but it's physical because it's all this physical stuff, you know, the way that, you know, showbread, the temple, everything they did in the, in the physical, in the flesh. But it has a spiritual connection, and we don't really get the depth of the spiritual connection 
until we get into the New Testament where Christ elevates all the laws and says, do you not see the spiritual connection even in all the laws that God has given? So now when we get into the New Testament, everything is kind of uh, elevated because it's on a spiritual level. You know, and the, the, um, um, when, when Jesus begins to do his teaching, he takes the law, the Sermon of the Mount, he takes it from the physical, and he elevates all those laws up to the spiritual, right? And so here now, we get to Hebrews 13, it's a passage for us, where God is saying, I'm with you, um, and there's this spiritual connection, where God says, you remember what I did, okay, now we're going to talk about faith for a moment, remember what I did, and if I could do that then, what do you think I'm going to be able to do for you now? So now I want to show you, I want to look back, and I want to help you just add uh, for just a moment to your faith, all right? So remember what Joshua was told to do. Remember the kind of people they were battling against. We're going to Joshua chapter uh, 21. Remember the people you were going up against. Remember what the battle scene looked like as you were able to draw some imagery uh, in your mind as to what this might have looked like. Remember that they had to show up for the fight. Remember it wasn't necessarily an easy fight. It was hand-to-hand combat. It took physical strength and exertion uh, throughout the battle, however long those battles last, lasted. Uh, God said, I'll be with you, and no man will ever be able to stand against you. Now the question is, was that true? That's the question. Was that true? Did it really happen was God able to affect people in such a way to where the underdogs, remember, they're too strong for us, we can't win, all the negatives said about the people, they're the giants, the underdogs, was it possible for the underdogs who could not win without God to win? And the answer, let's go get some faith. Joshua 21, verse 43. 43. So the Lord gave Israel all the land which he had sworn to give to their fathers, and they possessed it and lived in it. First question, did it happen? <laughs> yeah, right? Okay, whoa, whoa, how that happened? Well, we know how it happened now, right? Verse 44, and the Lord gave them rest on every side according to all that he had sworn to their fathers. So when God makes a promise, what does God keep? God keeps his promises. So if God tells you something, you've got to believe it, right? Remember Hebrews 13, 5, I'll never leave you, nor what? Forsake you, right? I got you. Don't worry about it, people. You're going to be okay. God keeps his promises uh, to their fathers, and no one of all their enemies stood before them. Okay, was that a promise of God? Joshua 1, 5, no man will be able to stand against you. So here God says, no man stood before them. Verse uh, 44, the end of it. The Lord gave all their enemies. How many did he leave? None. He gave all. Right? When they went to battle, he gave all of their enemies into their hand. Now one of the good promises which the Lord had made to them, or to the house of Israel, failed, all came to pass. So here's looking back. Right? So, so here's Joshua looking back and saying, oh, by the way, here's what God told us to do. And, and, and we went like God told us to go. And when we did what God told us to do, guess what? It worked out exactly the way God said it would. How many of us believe that? Right, just a question. How many really believe that verse 
43 through 45, as Joshua explains to us, who was the front runner, who was there, who was the eyewitness and a participant, who says, this is what God did, this is what God promised, and this is what God did. Did God actually do it? Obviously, yes, right? Faith. Faith. Now, I can look back at that and go, you know what, if God could do that, I know God, I, wow, I've got a lot more faith. Yes. <laughs> right. 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 Yeah. Same thing, right? Yeah. Different names, different faces. <laughs> same. Same. We just, we, we got to figure this thing out, don't we? We really do. We have to figure this out. Um, look at the next one. Look at verse, uh, chapter 23. Look at verse 14. Now behold, today, I'm going the way of all the earth. This is Joshua speaking. And you know, you know in all your hearts and in all your souls, then not one word of all the good words which the Lord your God spoke concerning you has failed. Now, you, is that singular or plural? Plural, that's all of Israel. So every, how many people are, I, mean, I don't know what the number of the people are at this point, but whatever this number of peoples there is that makes up this you, this plural word, God's good word and every promise that God made, every promise came true in all of their lives. Not just Joshua, all of their lives, right? So, which the Lord your God spoke concerning you has failed. And all have been fulfilled for you, and not one of them has failed. Not, not one, right? So you got to think, maybe one of them, right? Not even one promise of God failed. So imagine me, I'm out there, and I'm in this battle, and, um, you know, I'm clumsy, and I trip and fall, and I'm able to get up and still... Oh, how about this? I'm really, really tired. We've been fighting all day, hand-to-hand combat, but yet God did what? Strengthened me. When I failed, God picked me up, you know. Just when I thought this guy was going to get me, somebody else stepped in and saved my... You, do you see, what, you see what's going on? You see what's happening? Just when we thought we were going to lose, all of a sudden, God... Just when it, we were weaker, God showed that we were strong. I mean, everything that could have gone wrong didn't, right? It should have gone wrong, but it, it didn't. They shouldn't have won. They couldn't have won without God, right? Okay. All right, look at it again. First Kings. Now Solomon speaks to this. So this, this message as they are now in the, chapter 8. They're in the land and they've, been, they've secured it and, and all, is, all is well. Um, Solomon reflects back to what's been passed down and what he is now a, a physical, not only witness of the location in which they're living or dwelling, but also uh, he is a witness of what he has seen through his father, Right, he grew up in his father David, um, has, has gone through. And listen to what Solomon says to God, reminding all of us of what God did. Right, so now we're leaving Joshua, and we're going from Moses to Joshua. We might start at Abraham, right? Genesis 12, go to a place I'll show you, and then he promises to give them the land, right, in Genesis 12. And then he fulfills it in Moses, and he fulfills it in Joshua, continues on, fulfills the rest of it in David, and now here we are, in 1 Kings, where there's peace, in verse 54 of, of, verse, uh, of chapter 8. And it came about when Solomon had finished praying this entire prayer and supplication to the Lord. 
he arose from before the altar of the Lord from kneeling on his knees with his hands spread out toward heaven. And he stood and blessed all the assembly of Israel with a loud voice saying, Blessed be the Lord who has given rest to his people Israel according to all. Did your virgins say all? Just checking. Everybody's virgins say all? All right, good, okay. According to all his good promise, which he promised through Moses, his servant. So we're going all the way back to Moses, and we're going generations forward all the way to Solomon. And Solomon looks back and says, God has fulfilled everything he promised, right? That's a lot of people. That's a long time. And that's not only a lot of people, that's, that's a lot of opposition. That's a lot of struggle, but yet God did it. The next verse, verse 57. May the Lord our God be with us as he was with our fathers. May he not leave us or forsake us. So he was with the fathers. Now he told Joshua, I'll be with you as I was with your fathers, right? And, and here Solomon reaches backwards and says, yeah, God was with our fathers. All the way from, from Moses, again, go back to Abraham to the promise, all the way to today, God has still been with us and has granted us peace. The next verse, 58. That he may incline our hearts to himself to walk in all his ways and to keep his commandments and his statutes and his ordinances, which he commanded our fathers. Okay, here it goes again. What in the world does verse 58 have to do with all this stuff in life? Keep all the commandments? He said it again. He told Joshua, you got to keep all the commandments. And now here he's talking through Solomon that they are to keep all of God's commandments and all of his statutes, all of his rules. Life isn't a free-for-all, church, right? We, we are subject to God. We have to keep God's commandments. We can't just expect God just to, you know, just to do it. And, I mean, God's going to do what God does, but we have a responsibility to keep God's commandments. We have to keep all of God's commandments. We have to take our spirituality seriously, right? This is serious. This isn't, this isn't um, pretend. This is real. This is keep my commandments. Be faithful to me until the end, right? That's what God tells us. You be faithful thou until the end, and I'll give you the crown of life. He promised that. Has he done it? Yeah, look at all the saints who've gone on before us, right? He's done it, and he'll, he's going to keep doing it until the end of time. How do we know he can do it? Because he's already done it for thousands of years, even before eternity, right? Because he already had it planned out from the very beginning. Uh, John, I want to start in chapter 13. God's promises. Looking back at God's promises. When, when trouble invades my life, uh, remember God, right? When, when trouble comes my way, remember God. God. Remember the promises of God that have never failed and that God will never fail us. God will never forsake us. He promised, I'll never leave you, nor will I ever forsake you. I want to set up John chapter 14 um, by looking first at John chapter 13 because I want to start at verse 36. Um, 35, he says, By this all men will know you, my disciples. If you have love one for another, verse 36, Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus answered, where I go, you cannot follow me now, but you shall follow later. And Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you right now? I will lay down my life for you. Now, 
What hasn't happened yet? Peter's not denied the Lord yet. Peter's not lying to Jesus. He really believes that. I, I believe that, that this passage uh, correlates strictly with uh, when, when Peter pulls out a sword and cuts off Malchus's ear. You know, maybe he missed. He's going for his head. You know, I would assume that. I'm assuming he wasn't aiming for his ear. But anyway, he cuts off Malchus. He's ready to fight. Lord, I'll lay my life down for you. Pull the sword out and let's go to battle. But that's not how it was supposed to be, right? So Peter says, I'll, I'll lay down my life for you, Lord. And, and, and he meant that. He meant it. Remember what happened after Peter um, uh, looked at Jesus, looked at Peter, after Peter looking in. He gave him this look, and Peter went out and did what? He wept bitterly, right? Because he, he, let, he let God down. And when you think about letting God down, and you, and you think about what God promised to Peter, as he promises to us that if we repent, God will forgive us of our sins. And, we, and we, it's fresh and ever new. Think about how meaningful this passage had to be to Peter. Listen to what Jesus says. Verse 38. Uh, Jesus said, you will lay down your life for me. Truly, truly, I say to you, a cock should not crow until you deny me three times. And Peter's like, Lord, I'm not, not me. I'm not denying you, Lord. I'm in this till the end. And he meant that, right? He meant that. He goes out and weeps bitterly. And God, what did you give Peter to hold on to? The same thing he gave us to hold on to. Sometimes you're going to let God down, right? We're going to do that. We're going to let each other down. But you have to love what God said. We have to learn to accept God's forgiveness, right? Never hold yourself accountable for the things that God has forgiven you of. You make it right with God. You make it right with people. And God's going to wipe it clean, right? So verse 14, chapter 14, rather, in verse 1, to Peter, even though you deny me, Peter, remember these words. Let not your heart be troubled. Verse, verse 1, believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you, for I go to prepare a place for you. Now, I know he's talking to the apostles, but think about how that would resonate in Peter's heart as he's weeping bitterly, and he's trying to get himself together. Do I give up? Do I quit? I've, I've forsaken the God of the universe. Do I quit? Do I, how do I go back to the brethren? What do I do with my life? And he remembers, wait a minute, Peter. Let not your heart be troubled. Right? I prepared a place for you too, Peter. Right? What, a, what an amazing passage of Scripture to give him the strength that he needs to, to keep on keeping on. In verse 3, if I, if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am there you may be also. Oh, that's okay. Now I get it. Why can't I go with you now, Lord? You can't go now, but you're going to come soon. You're going to follow after. And don't worry. I'm waiting for you. And what, a, what an amazing passage. So tonight, to leave you with this thought, that sometimes we, we, um, we, walked, uh, we walk uh, and we disappoint God. We, we find ourselves uh, uh, sinning. We find ourselves not being strong. We find our, our, our courage maybe wasn't where it should have been. When I should have said something, I didn't. And when I shouldn't have laughed, I laughed. Or whatever it is, right, in our lives. And, and I made it right with God, but I really feel pretty bad about it. Remember that Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled. Just always be right with God, right? Remember the law. Keep the law. Keep the commandments, right? Even though sometimes you're going to struggle through life, keep the law. Keep the commandments. Just stick with the Lord. And don't worry, God who pardons will pardon you when you make it right continuously with God. We're asking for forgiveness. We're asking for strength. And remember Peter, who could have given up, right? But he didn't. Don't ever give up, right? 
find the courage, find the strength in your faith. And in order to find it, sometimes we have to dig backwards into our lives to figure out, okay, this is what God's done for me. And he never left me. And then here I left God. But then God was still there. And then here I came back to God. Always go back and use what God has given to you, a memory, whatever you can remember, and, and, and allow the faith that you've, re, that you've grown to have now to take you forward to the next step of life. Right? And God's got something waiting for us. So it's worth it to be courageous and strong. It's worth it to, uh, to, to maintain that faith and keep a good uh, attitude because in the end, church, if you stick with the Lord, what do we always say? We win, <laughs> right? We win. It's impossible to lose. Just stick with the Lord. All right, thank you for your time tonight. Um, we'll pick up uh, where we left off, and we'll have some announcements and a short devo. God bless each and every one of you. Thank you.